This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Hello there, how you doing? How's the crack? It's uh, Kevin Riley here and on Irish time here at the Manawatu People's Radio in Palmerston North, the best the only community station in the province. And I've got a wee note someone left me here to uh, pass on. It's something I've seen, you know, I've read about it and got good reviews. There's a movie called The Cave. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's supposed to be, what I saw of it and what I read of it, it's really interesting. And it's going to be in cinemas here in New Zealand from August the 19th. It centres around an Irish rescue diver and it retells the true story of the 2018 Thai cave rescue and I wanted to let you know about it. That's when all those uh, kids basically went into a cave and they were locked in there for quite a long time. There was a lot of divers came in to uh, get them out. It was touch and go for a long time. So if you get the opportunity, go and see it. Because I, like I said, I've uh, read a review of it in I don't know, probably one of the papers I get onto in the net, and it got good reviews. It's really worth seeing. So there you go. That's the cave, August the nineteenth, uh, in all cinemas. Anyway, what have I got here? Back to COVID, you know, unfortunately. Uh, COVID, uh, children in the Republic of Ireland aged between 12 and uh, 15 can register to get the COVID jab from next week. Uh, The National Immunity Advisory uh, Committee made the recommendation to uh, extend the country's vaccination programme in July. Registration is open on August the 12th, which is a couple of few days away. On Wednesday, it was announced that uh, 16, 70 year olds in Northern Ireland would be eligible, would be offered, I should say, the vaccine. Currently in Northern Ireland, only children with specific underlying health conditions and who are sick of serious illness from the virus are offered uh, the virus itself. So that's good news. Last month, former Education Minister Peter Watts said the programme should be extended to all children over the ages of 12. In a tweet on Thursday, Irish Minister... Health Minister uh, Stephen Donnelly encouraged parents and young people to seek advice uh, from reliable sources so there's no misinformation, as it were. Um, what else we got here? On the weekend, the Republic of Ireland surpassed Northern Ireland's evacuation. Vaccination. We get wake up, Kevin. Uh, with about seventy percent of people aged over eighteen having uh, received the jab, the date. Uh, the date to date, rather, 5,900 and just under 6,000 people um, have the, received the vaccine. On Thursday, uh, 2,992,000 had, admi- oh, had been administered in Northern Ireland. So it is, it's on a bit of a rampage again, like it is in many other parts of uh, Europe. And it's, you know, it's, I don't think we realise just how fortunate we are. I would say lucky, just how fortunate... And around 10,000 people attended a COVID-19 vaccination walk-in centres around Ireland on last Saturday. 
Uh, the CEO, Paul Reid, made uh, the claim this afternoon. This is the health service executive. The centres have been open over the bank holiday weekend to those over 16 who want to get their first job. Reid said uh, half of those who attended yesterday would not have been registered with the, the health service executive vaccine uh, portal, while two-thirds were under 19. Good news. He added that the sources and success of the bank holiday programme had made him consider using the centres again in the future. After long queues formed outside centres yesterday, uh, Mr Reid said last night that he had been blown away by the response. He praised young people for coming out in numbers, saying that they have been to the fore of ch- uh, changing this country for the better. And that's very true, because uh, in England, it was on the BBC News earlier, uh, you know, the highest... COVID is on the way up, unfortunately, and a lot of them are between 18 and uh, I think it was 34 or 24 years of age. Younger people who at one time in this whole sort of uh, disaster struck, uh, young people appeared to be immune from, uh, you know, contacting it. And anyway, now for a bit of good news, I think. Ireland's most expensive ram, yes, a ram, sells for 44,000 euros. A seven-month-old ram has become Ireland's most expensive ram after being sold at an auction for €44,000. That's just £37,500, which is a lot of bickies. The Suffolk ram was sold in County Wicklow by uh, County Donegal breeder Richard Thompson to a consortium, uh, consortium of Northern Ireland farmers. The price eclipsed the previous record for a ram of €38,000. Mr Thompson said the once-in-a-lifetime price was a dream come true. I was expecting good money, but not that sort of money. The Donegal uh, farmer who started his flock of Suffolk sheep in 2015 said he knew his ram was special. There's a photograph of it here, and it really does look the part. But he never imagined it would fetch a record-breaking amount. He was... uh, he was what everyone was looking for, what everyone tries to breed. He had a definite bloodline. You're not breeding that into the, sa- into the same line. The Northern Ireland Consortium, who bought the sheep at the sale on Monday, led by Dennis Taylor, uh, a farmer from the Coleraine there up in Londonderry, uh, said uh, it was brilliant. Suffolk sheep were one of the most popular breeds in Northern Ireland. Robert McGrath, chief executive of the Suffolk, Suffolk uh, Sheep Society, said it was an excellent sale. And it is, it's a beautiful looking creature. And, uh, you know, that's, I think that's just dynamite, you know, that sort of, going for that sort of money. In a, you know, it's, you know, how expensive sheep can be. Especially here in a country like New Zealand where, you know, sheep and beef farming was the main export at one time. Right, what have we got here? It's another uh, animal story. Uh, video footage of Wally the walrus has been captured in Waterford. Yes, Waterford as the giant walrus makes waves with his return to Ireland. Uh, Carlo Weather Centre uh, creator Alan O'Reilly, on a, he was on a holiday in Ardmore in County Waterford, made the, the new, new sea friend while he was out of his family in the, for a run in the morning. I think it started following. There was another little bit of a video of it. He was running along there, and this walrus, Wally, was just um, sort of going along the side, keeping an eye on him. The giant walrus was the first part in Kerry's uh, island on last March. From there, the, what, the, he headed south to warmer climates and has been spotted around uh, France, Spain and Wales before heading back to the, you know, the Cornish coast and then headed back to Ireland. 
He was last seen recently on the Isles of Scilly before being spotted lounging at a clone strand in Ardmore in County Antrim. Sort of having a bit of a, a sleep there, taking in a bit of the sun that they've been experiencing there, you know, particularly hot weather. Wally is believed to have been uh, originated in uh, Swyland, north of, somewhere north of uh, Norway. Some scientists believe uh, he fell asleep on a floating uh, sheet of ice and ended up and found himself far from home. Uh, the IT specialist who uh, started Carlo, uh, the Carlo Weather, in 2018 uh, as a hobby uh, invested investment. Where's Wally? He was, I remember that. There's a book called that, Where's Wally? He was tempting uh, to, to keep an eye on him. While Wally uh, sort of lounges around in the sea and on the rocks, he is really happy and contented. And the people of Waterford are coming in droves to sort of see the guy. And they're not getting into the, the sea to actually, you know, get too close to him because apparently he's a monster in size. Anyway, we've got here. This is Dublin. The All-Ireland Football and Hurling Finals will be played in front of a crowd of 40,000 people at Croke Park. Crowds of 24,000 will be in attendance for each of the semi-finals, while 25,000 will be in the stands for the Republic of Ireland's World Cup qualifiers in September. Okay. The Republic Sports Minister, Jack Chambers, confirmed the increase on Friday. The announcement comes after successful uh, pilot events in recent months. With a capacity of 82,300, the hurling and football fans will see the Dublin Stadium just under half full and uh, what will be by far the biggest crowd at an Irish sporting event since the, 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 the pandemic started. Uh, the World Cup finals will be, uh, finals will be held at the Avila Stadium in South East City. The hurling final is set for, oh, not that far away, Sunday the 22nd of August with uh, the football final a week later on the, the 29th. Uh, the semi-final lineups will be confirmed this weekend after the two remaining hurling quarterfinals and the Ulster and Leinster football finals are played. A crowd of 18,000 will be at Coke Park on Saturday. Uh, Ulster Championship showpiece between Tyrone and Monaghan. This is an important signal of how far we have um, come as a country. From the start of this uh, process, I, I started, we wanted to be ambitious around getting supporters back into the stands all around the country, and the figures for the upcoming game show that exactly what is happening. I think most people have been delighted to be able to get out somewhere that's you know, hopefully safe, and people will have had their shots. Will have, you know, like I said earlier, they've had a high turnout rate for uh, getting the shots. I'm really pleased we have implemented a very careful return of crowds, uh, starting with small numbers at first and gradually increasing over the summer months. The pilot events have been a great success and have shown how uh, live sporting and other events can be held in a safe environment. So good luck to them. I might sort of keep my eye on that myself because I'm interested in Gaelic football, just watching it. Okay, here we go. This is still in Dublin. Weatherspoon will finally open its newest pub and hotel venue in Ireland later this month. The British pub chain confirmed this week. The pub named Kevin's Port uh, has been in an adjourning 89-bedroom hotel and is located in Dublin. It will be on Monday, August the 16th. Weatherspoons have confirmed after the launch date. The company has invested $27.4 million, uh, developing the site in Camden Street, Upper and Lower, and a, f- a further $6 million on the purchase of the property, making it the single largest investment made by the Wilderstone Group in its 41-year history. A total of uh, 200 full and part-time staff will be employed at the venues as of next week. The pub will be managed by uh, F- is it Philip Mordach, 
who has worked for Wellstone since 2007 and has previously managed two Wellstone pubs in Ireland, the 40 Foot in Dunleary and the Silver Penny in Dublin. The development of Campus Port saw Wellstone convert a series of eight Georgian townhouses, seven of which are protected, and a chapel. Oh, good. I mean, they didn't demolish them then. Good. They also attended a substantial modern, modern extension to the site featuring a 12-metre uh, high glazed auditor- auditorium. The pub now offers 9,000 square feet of uh, customer space over two floors plus a 3,800 square foot garden across two enclosed courtyards. Sounds cool, eh? The 89 bedrooms all feature an ensuite bathroom and there's an ex- accessible bedrooms des- uh, designed for guests with disabilities including wet room facilities. Well, this one's chief executive, John Hutton. We are delighted to have been have completed the development of Kevin's Port. We believe that the pub and hotel will be a great asset to Dublin and will hopefully act as a catalyst for other business to invest in the city. Thank you.
Dublin is one of the most is one of the world's most expensive cities for expats to live in. The annual survey, uh, this is uh, the Mercer Cost of Living survey, which monitors 2,209 uh, cities across the world, has found that Ireland's capital city is the 39th most expensive uh, city for expatriates to make a living. The, two, uh, the 2021 uh, survey aims to have multinational companies and governments to determine what working immigrants should be paid in order to make a living wage. One of Dublin's major downfalls when it comes to a, uh, a quality of life for experts is the cost of renting in the city, as it is in most other Western countries as well. Uh, an issue felt by citizens and immigrants alike, uh, which has been the source of huge anger in Ireland for years. Not dissimilar to New Zealand. Uh, fury felt in uh, the 2020 general election when Fianna Foyle and Fianna Gael both suffered really badly in the polls. Uh, high demand coupled with supply constraints in the private rental market mean uh, more, uh, some experts have difficulty finding appropriate rental accommodation, often the biggest cost for companies placing employees on assignments. That would be the, the multinationals who have uh, you know, used Dublin as their headquarters for tax purposes. Compared to last year, Dublin has uh, risen seven times, up from 46. Oh, it was number 46 in 2020. Over the top 10 most expensive cities for expats, only three other European uh, cities, and all of them in, uh, were in Switzerland, Zurich, Geneva, and Bern. So Switzerland is, uh, it isn't always was an expensive place anyway, Switzerland. It's just a matter of fact. And still in Dublin. This is all about Shannon, uh, Sharon Shannon, who is a really brilliant musician. Renowned tra- traditional musician Sharon Shannon is uh, the face of a new television series designed to remind viewers of the joys of holidaying in Ireland. Uh, Falster Ireland and TG4 have joined forces with the Country Clare native on a new travel and music programme uh, titled Heartlands. The four-week series, which kicked off there last uh, Wednesday, uh, features uh, Shannon and her niece, uh, showcasing the Shannon River region access uh, across Shan Ireland's hidden heartlands. Uh, packed with inspirational ideas for short breaks this summer and into autumn, the series will be uh, will encourage and remind more Irish people to discover the joys of holidaying in your own country. The first episode will see Shannon and Cavan, Ross Common and Leitrim before heading to to Leitrim, Ross Common, Longford and Westmeath in a, in part two of the series. It's sounds like I'm repeating myself here. For the third episode, the hugely successful musician uh, visit Westmeath, offering in Galway, while the final episode takes her to Tipperary and Clare, her home county. Shannon is joined by a host of musical friends, uh, you know, fellow traditional musicians. Wouldn't it be, be uh, worth watching? Throughout uh, the session, Shannon and her niece uh, will slowly cruise the River Shannon, discovering Ireland's hidden gems, while catching up with a host of musical friends. Etc. Etc. And there's a whole list of people here. Paddy Matthews, uh, Ireland, Ireland's head of the operations for Ireland, uh, hidden Heartland said of the news. So Heartland is an exciting new series which focuses tra- travel with music, uncovering a, a host of hidden gems along the River Shannon, and introducing the viewer to some of Ireland's greatest musicians along the way. Heartlands will visit a number of locations across Ireland, sitting in Heartland, telling stories that explore the hidden and not-so-hidden treasures that the region have to, uh, 
you know, has to offer. Each 30-minute program will see the pair connect with some of Ireland's top musicians, like we said earlier, while reminding viewers of the many unique experiences on offer. It sounds like it could be pretty cool, you know, advertising, of course. Now across the water here to Scotland, this is Glasgow. Glasgow's first permanent memorial dedicated solely to the Irish famine has been unveiled. The Tower of Silence, uh, created by Donegal sculptor John McCarran, is a result of years of hard work and fundraising efforts uh, from the Great Hunger Memorial Committee. The memorial located in the grounds of St Mary's Church on Abercrombie, I think that is, Abercrombie Street in Carton remains those who died or were displaced by the Great Famine, and it was it was kind of an essential part of Irish history. Uh, around 10,000 Irish people fled to Scotland in the 1840s to escape the death and devastation uh, wrought by the, the famine and free market economics, as it was in that, those days. And just wiped out. They were actually exporting food to England. And while, you know, hundreds of thousands of Irish people starved by the side of the road trying to eat grass. Speaking at the unveiling last week, uh, Canon Tom Walt, uh, White, parish priest of St Mary's, expressed his pride after his church was chosen as the location for the monument. It seemed natural that this church was built by the Irish to shepherd and care for the Irish would host a living memorial to their memory. Kenan uh, Tongmite also said at the unveiling before blessing the memorial that this, this memorial here, this tower of silence, will speak volumes and I'm delighted and grateful to the committee who pioneered all of this work and put in all the hours and years of work to actually make it to this day of a grand opening. It is. It's, uh, it's good to see. Okay, what have we got here? Warning to register an electrical on the electoral roll. This is in uh, Belfast, well, the north of Ar- Northern Ireland, and uh, it was a good scheme. And hope you know we're trying to encourage people to actually get involved in getting uh, inoculated. Uh, people uh, not on the electoral roll have a week to sign up or miss out missing on a, a COVID windfall. I think they're offering you know vouchers of a hundred pounds. You know to be spent at various at any shop. I think not just various shop, but anywhere. In the north, the public is being encouraged to sign up to the new electoral register by August the 10th in order to guarantee access to the upcoming £100 high street voucher. Those on the current register don't need it, although they will still need to enrol in order to, you know, get the, the voucher. Uh, the voucher scheme will see a £100 prepaid card given to every adult here to be used in shops and hospitality establishments throughout Northern Ireland. It's uh, you know. It's what I call a real incentive. Money speaks louder in words. Uh, people are, are set to receive the cards in early September when an online portal uh, opens for applications. The application process uh, for the card will uh, involve verifi- verifying people's identity using the electoral uh, register, which is currently being uplo- updated through a uh, canvas. Don't understand that. The process for uplifting the register takes place every 10 years, while the majority of people remain on the current electoral roll until it is wiped later in the year. Some people may not uh, miss out, so they're encouraging people to actually make sure that they're on the electoral roll so they can have access to the £100 voucher, you know, so they can do some shopping. 
wherever it is. It doesn't have to be groceries or anything. It can be clothing, etc., etc., car parts even, whatever. It covers a, a mountain of uh, opportunity for people. And I think it's a great idea to actually get more people to sort of get in, get the job, even though Northern Ireland has a really high uh, rate of uh, people doing it so far. But I think this is going to, you know, I think it goes to everyone. But, you know, if you've got a job, that's great. Uh, if you haven't, this is an encouragement. This is an incentive to do that. But I think most people in the North are going to get it. So I just think it's brilliant of the, the local uh, assembly. And now what have we got here? They've been talking, there's what reading about, uh, you know, the sort of the problems about, you know, oh, the, the problems that they've been having over uh, remembering all these people that were killed in various, you know, accidents, uh, but in the troubles, and the government has just kind of put an amnesty out and just sort of, you know, the government in that Westminster, in London, and they just sort of wiped the whole thing. And some guy said, we need a wake for the dead, not an amnesty for their killers. And I thought that kind of said it all. A wake for the dead, not an amnesty for the killers who will um, get away scot-free, really. I know there, it's uh, you know a civil war was going on at the time, but you have to have some kind of uh, respect for the people that were murdered and blown apart by the, you know, the IRA campaign, the UDA campaign, because it was really was devastating for the whole of the north of Ireland. Anyway, that's about it uh, for me this week. I will sort of catch up with you next week. And don't forget to get in touch to see the movie The Cave because it apparently is absolutely, you know, really worth the effort, okay? The Cave, August the 19th on all cinemas. Okay, catch you later. I'll see you next week, actually. So just uh, enjoy your weekend. Okay, and take care and be kind to one another. Very important, be kind. All right, see you later. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.